0: Here on Flow FM, in the aftermath of a major decision in South Australia regarding a mine in the Adelaide Hills, want to pick through that with the head of the Chamber of Mines and Energy, Rebecca Noel. Rebecca, thanks for joining us today.
1: Always a pleasure, Ricky.
0: Let's just walk through this, uh, look, it's called the bird in hand decision or Terraman, uh, their application was rejected. Uh, Just what's your reaction to this decision?
1: Look, as we said in our mineral lease, it really sends a red flag to the minerals um, investors in our state. And, you know, what do we mean by that? And your listeners might be saying, why does one decision um, make such a difference? Well... In our sector, we work in incredibly long uh, lead time. So exploration is a high-risk activity. It requires substantial investment over an extended period of time and often with no reward. So to make that a viable opportunity, exploration requires stable jurisdictional frameworks to attract and retain investment. So therefore, when ministers make decisions... That um, are different than their previous decisions, um, the entire sector is watching and it does have um, a ripple effect.
0: Well, when we spoke <laughs> with uh, Mining Minister Tom Kutz and Tonus on Friday, he, he mentioned this term amenity a lot. It, is this sort of a new landmark decision in your view that he's pointed to all these wineries, three wineries close to where the mine was going to be, and saying amenity trumps you know, the million? Or how much did they spend tear them in and getting this up?
1: Uh, Terraman spent uh, approximately 16 minutes, and I imagine that there would have been an equivalent spent on the government side in terms of regulators evaluating the work that um, Terriman did. But um, let's be really clear, amenity was absolutely addressed. Um, visual amenity was addressed, as was tourism, in their documentation. So this is n- not new. It's, uh, it's, not a, um, it's not a landmark um, change. It is uh, actually part of the uh, Mining Regulations and Mining Act. What I wouldn't mind doing, Ricky, whilst I've got you on, on call and just to give some background to this uh, decision, back in 2019, Minister Coots and made the following statements in Parliament um, during a review of the Mining Act. And if you'd indulge me, I'll just read it verbatim. Um, he said, you must believe in independent regulation. You must believe in the science. You must allow the science to govern your decisions. You ask the agency independently, can we mine this safely? Will it harm aquifers? Will it do damage to the natural environment? What are the consequences of all this? And if it all comes back that the risk can be managed, the mining practices have been peer reviewed independently. The risks are assessed by the agency. The agency recommends approval and the politicians come in over the top and say, Regardless of all the expert opinions about whether this is safe or not, I'm saying no because the local community oppose it. Well, why have the independent experts at all? And that's what we're left asking today, Ricky. This is a statement by Minister Coates and Tonus in 2019. He absolutely understands the impact that this will have on the um, on the investment community. He further states. Um, If we get to the point where politicians are deciding all these matters, rather than any sort of framework or structure, and we can keep on changing the rules as we go, no one will invest in South Australia. All of a sudden, capital starts thinking to itself, you know what, every time I try to invest or someone tries to invest in South Australia in a mine or some other activity, a politician uses local political pressure to stop it all the rules are pushed aside and there is an act in Parliament to stop it and overturn it. I'll just take my money to Victoria, to New South Wales, to Asia, etc. So, you know, even the Minister understands the ramifications of the decision that he made last week. He knows that this will send a very clear message to the investment community that even if you have a world-class mine, spend $16 million over a seven to, you know, arguably 14-year period... There is still absolutely no guarantee in this state that you'll receive a green light.
0: Now, for what it's worth, the minister—I think you're quoting there—was when he was in opposition. I think people are used to people changing their view when they go back into government.
1: Yep, well, but that's that's not the way we work. Our sector works across multiple governments, so we can't afford to have government flipping and changing their de- their decisions and just vetoing um, with that with no reference. Now, I want to go. So,
0: So I want to go back to that subject of amenity. Now, um, what was described in what I saw in the Terraman documentation was was, they were calling it like a keyhole approach to what was a very historic gold mine. You know, in terms of impact, visual, audio, etc. can you go through some of the things they had actually proposed doing and what they were willing to do to have virtually no amenity impacts on the local community and wineries?
1: I can't go into that in great detail, and I think it's better if you speak directly to Terraman about that. What I do know is that they had a very detailed a visual amenity um, survey undertaken, which uh, looks at everything from uh, visual landscape from all directions. This is a very small footprint mine, um, as has been reported a couple of times. It's also got a very high high grade of gold, so it's an underground operation. It is akin to keyhole surgery. You go in, you chase the seam, and uh, you get out. And this is a five-year uh, proposed five-year mine. So. Um, for them to be able to invest that kind of money and be able to return, make a return on that investment in five years, um, gives you some indication of the value of this deposit. And, of course, it was part of the historic uh, chain of um, mines that operated in that Woodside area back in the 1880s.
0: There's something that's kind of phenomenal about this is that it was only theoretically going to operate for five years and then it would be done and closed up again. Correct. Yep, and, and what I just wanted to check as well is I know we um had some conversations around the state election time about independence in electorate. Is we I did ask Tom Coots and Tonus, were there political imperatives in play here given that the state and federal MP for that seat are both independents that you know governments may well need their support for other issues?
1: Well, I think that we've seen that down in the southeast under the Marshall government when they imposed a fracking moratorium on unconventional fracking down in the southeast to uh, win the favour of Troy Bell at the time. Um, So we do see um, independence in these um, seats strongly influencing these decisions.
0: And I do notice uh, in that point you make about fracking, the minister in his interview with us talked about his concern about uh, groundwater or even mine safety, that water might come in and flood the mine. Uh, is that, does that stand up to what you saw in the process up to this point, or is it something that, again, is sort of playing to, I guess, the crowd that were opposed to the mine?
1: Um, the minister himself says that we've got a world-class regulator. We've got an amazing regulation. It was, um, it was renovated, if you like, or... Um, dusted off and improved. It is the most most modern mining legislation in the country. And we've got a regulator that is there to regulate. So they have done their job, which is to assess every single part of this mine, and they have given it the green light. So his own department, his agency, have crawled all over this, every single part of it, whether it be groundwater or visual amenity, and they have given the green light, after substantial uh, review, that this project is good to go and will not uh, result in social or environmental uh, damage. And and yet the minister has not trusted the recommendation of his department. He's made a ministerial right to veto um, at at the 11th hour. Now, this is a company that's been waiting on a decision uh, since, I understand, 2021. So it's certainly been sitting on the minister's desk Um, since March of last year. So it's a long time to wait for a no decision when you've met every single hurdle, requirement, everything that's been asked of you through a very long and protected and expensive process. You've met all of those conditions, um, but you've still received a no.
0: Before the state election, you made some, um, the, the Chamber of minds and Energy, uh, you asked questions of the parties about a ministerial right of veto, whether that would be something they would implement or not implement when they were in government, if I'm remembering this rightly. Uh, did, what responses did you get? Is there anything about what Labor's done here that's contrary to those indications?
1: Well, Labor made it um, very clear that it would not support a right to veto, a landowner right to veto. Um, so we we took that um, on the minister's word or the um, shadow minister as he was then, but he has uh, restated that since. Um, but this is uh, not a landowner right to veto, of course. This is a ministerial right of veto.
0: Ah uh, yes, I see. You you were about if a landholder just doesn't want a mine to go ahead, uh, then that was one yep. that uh, you were concerned about. Uh, well, and I guess that's what we've got to tease out. Finally, is you know the minister did say um, when we asked him directly, does this set a precedent in terms of you know conflicts between primary production, agriculture, wineries, uh, and proximity to mines? He said it doesn't, and claimed this decision turned on its merits. Do you agree with his assessment?
1: Um, no, and I think if we look at um, if we look at Cavell, let's just take it as a jurisdiction. I mean, a lot of people think that it's just wine um, and you know grape growing region. It's absolutely not. Um, there are there are in, and 248 full time employees in that region, um, bringing in about 16 million dollars in wages and salaries. And there's 24 businesses being completely supported by the resources sector. So we know the value of our sector to Cavell is just tipping 40 million dollars. Um, annually. So they are getting substantial input from the resources sector in, in a in a hills area. So uh, coexistence is um, is alive and well in the Adelaide Hills, um, always has been, um, and there are mines and quarries in that uh, in that region. So it's not just a region that is there for the for the wine industry. And in fact the Bird in Hand Mine, it's sure some of your listeners already know, the Bird in Hand mine is named after the original bird in hand mine.
0: All right, Rebecca Knoll is the CEO of the Chamber of Mines and Energy in South Australia. Thanks so much for working through that one with us, being patient with us. I just wanted to work through that decision as best we could with you today.
1: Fantastic, Ricky. Very happy to help.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?